People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Let's travel back to a time we didn't have the good audio equipment. October 3rd, 2015, with Eric Fell, Barbara Beal, sci-fi author Joe Haldeman, and Mr. Dr. Greg Bowl. I'm Joe Foljam, and this is Caustic Soda, live at VCon 40. Thank you so much for coming to Caustic Soda's Time Travel Darkest Time Journeys episode. My name is Joe Fulgham. I'm the host of Caustic Soda. Wow! With me today, uh, I have uh, my friend Eric Fell and uh, former guest on the show. Actually, I think everybody here except for Joe Haldeman has been a former guest on the show. You make it sound like we've all been fired. <laughs> yeah, former, former guest. guest. Not returning guest. Uh, my name is Eric Fell. Uh, I uh, produce a show called The Critical Hit Show, uh, which is a live epic improvised fantasy. I also uh, am one-third of the Gentleman Hecklers, who provide live hilarious commentary for the best bad movies, and I do acting and comedy work all over Vancouver. That's me. Woo! And Barbara Beale. Hello, I am an actress and improviser. I'm in this amazing show called The Critical Hit Show. Um, I'm also part of the Fictionals Comedy Company. We do improv against humanity and other sorts of things. And then film, television, Marilyn Monroe impersonations. I dance with fire. Oh, the fire dancing is amazing. That's me. To my right is Joe Haldeman. Joe is a science fiction writer and five-time Hugo and Nebula Award winner. His novel, The Accidental Time Machine, which, yes, I picked out because of this uh, topic, was a Nebula Award finalist. In it, the eponymous time machine is a metal box with an oak base that was originally created to be a calibrator, but something malfunctioned in another dimension and caused it to time travel when the reset button was hit. It travels roughly in exponents of 11.8, I'm guessing years, only in a forward direction. It is not capable of being duplicated and appears to be unique. Joe, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Well, I have already added to that, but that's now in the past. <laughs> we'll go back to that. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Dr. Greg Bowl. Hi, it's nice to be back. Yeah. I've been on Cosdic Soda a total of five times, no, appearance number six right now. Um, since he is not with us today, I am going to be filling in as a poor man's Torin Atkinson. Okay, I'll so, do some, some wacky voices like Torin right. would do. But I've done uh, sibling rivalry, jellyfish, hominins, whales, turtles. Um, as you can see, a lot of animal-based things. I teach evolutionary biology at the University of British Columbia. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's jump right into it with word origin. Time, the word time comes from Old English taima, which means limited space of time, from Proto-Indo-European daimon, the suffixed form of the root da, which means to cut up or divide. So the word time technically comes from being able to section the date uh, into little sections like that. The abstract sense of time as an indefinite continuous duration is recorded from the late 14th century. Travel is also 14th century, originally from the old French travail for hard work. 
The semantic development may have been via the notion of to go on a difficult journey, but it may also reflect the difficulty of any journey in the Middle Ages. Uh, the word paradox comes from the Greek paradoxos, uh, meaning contrary to expectation or incredible, from para, contrary to, and doxa, opinion. So a paradox is something that works uh, the opposite of the way that you would expect or you would, uh, your opinion would expect. Or two quacking birds as well. Kevin, Kevin would probably mention yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I believe uh, Eric is wearing a uh, paradox right now. Yes, I am. I collect Dr. Martin's boots and I also collect terrible puns. Uh, I tried to look up the phobia for uh, Fear of Time. There is a Wikipedia page called Chronophobia, and it references an art book called Chronophobia about the art of the 1960s about a dozen times, and seems to be a Wikipedia page merely created by somebody who's a big fan of that book. Uh, so I don't think Chronophobia is actually the Fear of Time, but Wikipedia's got it wrong. Uh, it does make sense, though. Okay. Einstein's theory of special relativity says that time slows down or speeds up depending on how fast you move relative to something else. Approaching the speed of light, a person inside a spaceship would age much slower than his twin at home. Also under Einstein's theory of general relativity, gravity can bend time. In a sense, this effect called time dilation means astronauts are time travelers as they return to Earth very, very slightly younger than their identical twins that remain on the planet. Uh, of course, in this sense, we're all time travelers. We just all tend to travel at the same speed in the same direction. Joe, I gotta ask, what, yeah. what happened to that identical twin that they were not accepted to the astronaut program? Because they are identical in every way, and yet one gets to be an astronaut, what's the other one? He gets to, to be the janitor at NASA or something? I, maybe the rock star at home, everybody's like, oh, you, your twin is totally the astronaut being sent at super speed. A little buckaroo bonsai thing That's going right. on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, general relativity also provides scenarios that could allow travelers to go back in time. Uh, one possibility would be to go faster than the speed of light. Uh, Einstein's equations, though, show that an object at the speed of light would have both infinite mass and a length of zero. This, and this is what it says in the science I've read, this appears to be physically impossible, although some scientists have extended these equations and said that it might be done. So I looked into what this meant. A lot of my research involved a lot of complicated math that I don't understand. Ugh. Yeah. What it seems to be is, as we all know, you can't go the speed of light because as you approach it, you need more and more power to go even slightly faster and because your mass is increasing. But the way the math works is once you go faster than the speed of light, it seems to work right again and you could technically use that to go backwards in time, except you can't reach that speed because to do that you have to go first the speed of light, which is impossible. So at an earlier panel, Dr. Jamie Matthews was talking mm -hmm. about this very topic. Uh, okay. He's a physicist, he knows what he's talking about. And uh, he said, rather than thinking of it as the speed limit of light or the speed limit of time, it's mm -hmm. really like a barrier. So right. if there are things that could go faster than the speed of light, great but they couldn't go slower than the speed of light, and so right. we couldn't interact. Right, yeah. yes, But okay. it, al it also sounds incredibly uncomfortable to reach a length of zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think once kind of you would be fast than the speed of light, I think technically your length would be negative. <laughs> I, I'd also like to put because out a disclaimer. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't ugh math, math is beautiful. <laughs> I ugh the fact that my brain is not capable of dealing with math. I, I don't, I just want to say math is amazing and beautiful and it's, I just can't understand it. Eric, five times math. seven. Uh, 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 Babylon uh, five, Babylon five. Babylon five. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, a linked possibility that NASA has stated would be to create wormholes between points in space-time. Uh, while Einstein's equations provide for them, they would co collapse very quickly and would only be suitable for very small particles. Uh, the technology needed to create a wormhole is far beyond anything we have today. Uh, but everybody loves to play with the idea of time travel, so there's lots of people looking into this. Uh, alternative time travel theories. While Einstein's theories appear to make time travel difficult, some groups have proposed alternate solutions to jump back and forth in time. Uh, first off, and here we go, now we get into the kind of weird, the infinite cylinder. Uh, this is also known as the Tipler cylinder because it was created by, or thought up by astronomer Frank Tipler. He proposed a mechanism where one would take matter totaling only 10 times the sun's mass. Simple, <laughs> simple. Then roll it into a very long but very dense cylinder. Cover it in fondant. <laughs> After spinning this up to a few billion revolutions per minute, so far so good. Easy. A spaceship nearby, following a very precise spiral around this cylinder, could get itself on a quote closed time-like curve. There are limitations to this method, however, including the fact that the cylinder needs to be infinitely long for this to work. And the spaceship that's going in a spiral, does it need to go in a clockwise or anti-clockwise fashion when traveling backwards in time? Dep All depends on which way you want to go in time. You just have to, right, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Uh. Uh, so, again, that's a possible... No, it sounds like an say? impossible sandwich. It really does. It's like take an impossible amount of mass and roll it into an impossible cylinder and just like have fun with your impossibilities. Yeah, if you do all these three impossible things, that one thing we thought was impossible would be possible. That's what that seems like. Uh, black holes are another possibility. Uh, a possibility would be to move a ship rapidly around a black hole or to artificially create that condition with a huge rotating structure. Uh, physicist Stephen Hawking noted, around and around they'd go, experiencing just half the time of everyone far away from the black hole, the ship and its crew would be traveling through time. Uh, imagine they circled the black hole for five of their years. Ten years would pass elsewhere. When they got home, everyone on Earth would have aged five years more than they had. So this is more of just time dilation using yeah. a lot yeah, that's, of Yeah, that's more of just you know, getting yourself out of the game for a little while. Yeah. I feel like right. I can do that if I just sit and watch a kettle boiling. Right, yes. <laughs> time slows down. And well, you got the steam, and it's, it's, it's you know, cleaning out the pores and moisturizing. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can shed years off like that. Physicist Amos Iron points out another limitation. If you used a machine, it would probably fall apart if you rotated it that quickly around a black hole. Uh, so again, if you can do some impossible things, you could maybe make this thing that's impossible happen. Uh, another one is cosmic strings. Uh, cosmic strings are narrow tubes of energy stretched across the entire length of the ever-expanding universe. These thin regions left over from an early cosmos are predicted to contain huge amounts of mass and therefore could warp the space-time around them. Cosmic strings are either infinite or they're in loops with no ends. Try and figure that one out. Scientists say the approach of two such strings parallel to each other could bend space-time so vigorously and in such a particular configuration that they might make time travel possible in theory. So this is all looking pretty difficult to do. Wormholes. Uh, 
Well, we mentioned wormholes before. Wormholes. We still can't make them. Uh, it is also generally understood that traveling forward or back in time would require a device, a time machine, to take you there. Time machine research often involves bending space-time so far that the timelines turn back on themselves to form a loop, technically called a closed time-like curve. To accomplish this, time machines often are thought to need an exotic form of matter with so-called negative energy density. Such exotic matter has bizarre properties, including moving in the opposite direction of normal matter when pushed. Such matter could theoretically exist, but if it did, it might be present only in quantities too small for the construction of a time machine. However, time travel research suggests time machines are possible without exotic matter. The work begins with a donut-shaped hole enveloped with a sphere of normal matter. Inside this donut-shaped vacuum, space-time could get bent upon itself using focused gravitational fields to form a closed time curve. To go back in time, a traveler would race around inside the donut, going further back into the past with each lap. This theory has a number of obstacles, however. The gravitational fields required would make such a closed time-like curve uh, that it would require would have to be very strong, and manipulating them would have to be very precise. Uh, Amos Ori, who came up with uh, this theory, emphasized another significant limitation of the machine. It can't be used to travel to a time before the machine was constructed. That's always been a thing for time travel with me. If there's a time machine, shouldn't it have always existed? Or always will exist. Or, or always, always will, will exist? You're yeah. running into language problems when you start talking about time. I, yes. love, I love tenses. <laughs> so it kind of looks like time travel just generally isn't possible. And Stephen Hawking has uh, a conjecture about that. Barbara, if you want to read up about Chronology that. Chronology protection conjecture. This is a conjecture by Stephen Hawking that the laws of physics are such as to prevent time travel on all but sub-microscopic scales. The permissibility of time travel is represented mathematically by the existence of closed time-like curves. In a 1992 paper, Hawking uses the metaphorical device of a chronology protection agency as a personification of the aspects of physics that make time travel impossible at microscopic scales, thus apparently preventing time travel paradoxes. He says, it seems that there is a chronology protection agency which prevents the appearance of closed time-like curves and so makes the universe safe for historians. Pop culture, Dr. Phil Amato's novelette, The Chronology Protection Case, extrapolates from Stephen Hawking's chronology protection conjecture and posits a vengeful universe that seeks to protect itself from time travel by killing any scientist who discovers or even begins to understand how to do it. Yeah. So this, this agency, I'm kind of imagining Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton, you know, Al they Gore. all sort of travel around in time to kill other people that think about traveling around in time. That's right. That's why, he, that's why he can't move. He's using all his motion to move the other body that's killing that's everybody right. who could invent time He's travel. He's astrally projecting himself through different times. It all makes so much sense right now. That's pretty harsh if you just have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, we're all going to die after this panel. <laughs> So uh, if you do ever manage to travel in time, things can get weird. Uh, this causes things called paradoxes. Uh, I have a list of a few paradoxes here. Uh, the, one of the best known is probably the grandfather paradox. Uh, it deals with the peculiar nature of causality in closed time-like loops. In its most crude conception, the paradox involves a person traveling back in time and murdering an ancestor who hadn't yet had a chance to procreate. Uh, there are two common explanations for the possible resolutions of this, to this paradox. 
In the so-called self-consistent solution, reality is constructed in such a way as to deterministically prevent such paradoxes from occurring. Uh, that would be the, the uh, chronology protection agency basically going, nope, just can't happen for whatever reason. The concept of many worlds or parallel universes is sometimes conjectured to allow for a continual fracturing of possible world lines into many different alternative realities. This would mean that any person who traveled back in time would necessarily enter a different parallel universe that would have a different history from the point of that time travel forward. Uh, related to this is Polchinski's paradox. I like this one quite a bit. A billiard ball could be thrown into a wormhole in such a way that it would, would emerge in the past and knock its incoming past self out of the way of the wormhole entrance. And we don't know what would happen. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that right? one's really cool. Like it involves way less murder. So yeah. then some other people came along and said, all right, let's do the math and figure this out. So a bunch of people did the math and they said, well, the way we could get this to work is that if the billiard ball gets thrown into the wormhole, whenever it comes out, it will only ever glance the incoming past version of itself deflecting it onto the same trajectory that, you guessed it, mm. would come out and glance itself. That makes so sense to me. Putting itself in a little bit of a loop. So back. every time it happens, there's probably some weird, tiny amount of quantum stuff going on to like determine, no, this time it's gonna go a little to the left or a little to the right, and it probably get into that loop where it's getting weird, and eventually it would loop to where it becomes stable? Is yeah. that? You wow. can't kill your grandfather, but you could wing him. You could wing him, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, then, and, then he, and then he meets a, a medical professional. They fall in love, and, and uh, that's go. a mom, uh, mom or dad. Or you get born with the inability to, like, like cause any kind of damage to your grandfather. <laughs> I'm going to shoot him. No, you, I don't believe You hurt him just guns. enough that your trigger finger grows up mangled. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's terrible. Uh, another paradox associated with, causality, with the causality and one-way nature of time is Loschmidt's paradox, which poses the question... How can microprocesses that are time reversible produce time irreversible increase in entropy? So that's a lot of complicated science there. So there's two things going on here. Time symmetry basically means that anything that happens by some physical process can be reversed by the opposite physical process. If I were to say, put some force onto this glass and, and push it and say it could glide, I could do the math on that, that I've imparted that much force on it and over time it goes forward and it ends up there. And somebody could take that and do the math backwards and say, well, if that negative force was done, it would go back here and meet my finger that was right there and everything's good. But the second law of thermodynamics says that time does matter because things become irreversibly more disorderly with time. Entropy is random and unpredictable. Time symmetry holds that time does not matter and that everything should be reversible. So the entropy that's caused hits a state that you can't look at and predict to go backwards to what you should reach. So you can't do the math and figure out the way that it should go back. And that is another weird paradox of time travel. Uh, Loschmidt pointed out that it should not be possible to, de to deduce an irreversible process from a system governed by reversible dynamics. Uh, there's also the predestination paradox. This is also called a causal loop. Uh, I love this one. 
A man travels back in time to discover the cause of a famous fire. While in the building where the fire started, he accidentally knocks over a kerosene lantern and causes the fire, the same fire that would inspire him years later to travel back in time. Shouldn't that be a cow that travels back in time and kicks over a lantern and starts a big fire? I, I was just going to call this the Mr. Bean theory of time travel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is closely tied to uh, a, a paradox called the bootstrap paradox because it seems that this event will have no actual beginning, that you can't figure out where that fire possibly started without that person going back in time, which meant that he would never have had a reason to go back in time. Uh, and again, paradox because, I don't know, weird. Uh, so that's all the science I've got. If you want to Google it, there's like so much that's confusing and will hurt your brain and apparently is hurting the brain of a lot of very... Very smart people, a lot smarter than mine. Uh, so now I'd like to switch to the history uh, section. There's been no history of time travel. So I'm going to talk about the history of time travel in fiction. Oh, I got a real history event. Do you? Okay. Yeah. You know how you can tell something is historical? It's because you go to a city or location and there's a plaque mm. that tells you what happened at this place in this time. That's how you know something happened there, right? It's historical because somebody wrote it down, put it on a plaque on the wall. So if you go to England, especially London, Bath, Brighton, all over England, you can find little historical plaques. They're kind of blue and sort of round shaped and they tell you exciting historical events that happened in that particular location. Well, if you go to um, uh, 23 Golden Square, Soho, you will see a plaque that says, Jacob von Logflum, 1864 to 1909, inventor of time travel, lived here in 2189. <laughs> it's on a plaque, it must be true. It must be true. Must be yeah, true. It must, yeah. true. Yeah, he also lived in Bath, England in 1547, as one of the plaques tells us. Oh, okay. So there you go, that's the only history of time travelers we could find. It's, and it's, but it's gotta be true. Uh, while there are several ancient stories of people finding a great deal of time has passed for them while away, uh, including Hindu mythology and Buddhist canon mentioning time in the heaven of the 33 divas passing at a different space, pace, tracking down the first true time traveler who may not have just zoned out for a bit is a bit tricky. <laughs> <clears throat> Rip Van Winkle style. Yeah. Uh, Memoirs of the 20th Century is the earliest uh, example of a possible time travel I've been able to find. It's by Irish writer Samuel Madden. It was written in 1733. It takes the form of a series of diplomatic letters written in 1997 and 1998. The letters were provided by a guardian angel, making this slightly more than just a tale of the future and arguably the first true fictional time traveler. So the, the, the guardian angel is never portrayed in the, in the story, it's not an actual character, but that is where they claim to have got it, which makes this, you can all choose for yourself, possibly the first time travel story. Uh, Alexander Veltman, in 1836, published The Forebears of Calameros, Alexander, son of Philip of Macedon, which has been called both the first original Russian science fiction novel and the first novel to use time travel in it. Uh, in it, the narrator rides to ancient Greece on a hippogriff, meets Aristotle, and goes on a voyage with Alexander the Great before returning to the 19th century. So it only, you can only go back as far as 1836 to find somebody writing a story about somebody actually traveling back in time. But you need a magical hippogriff to do it. With a, apparently a magical, I don't know if it's a magical hippogriff. Well, it's a time-traveling hippogriff. I, I guess it could be a science hippogriff. <laughs> Who am I to judge hippogriffs? Uh, in, <coughs> 
1843, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is transported to Christmas as past, present, and yet to come. However, these seem to be mostly visions because he can't interact with them and nothing changes based on what he does. Uh, in 1881, Edward Everett Hale published Hands Off about an unnamed being, possibly the soul of a person who had recently died, free to travel, free to travel through time and space, who interferes with earth, earth history in ancient Egypt, preventing Joseph, that's the son of Jacob, the Old Testament Joseph, not, the, not Jesus' dad, from being sold into slavery. This was the first known story to feature an alternate history being created as a result of time travel. And uh, you can actually find the text of Hands Off on archive.org. If you go to causticsodapodcast.com for the show notes on this, once I post it online, there will be a link to that, and you can read it for yourself. I hope he also convinced Joseph not to wear that multicolored jacket, because it just clashes with everything. <laughs> terrible, terrible idea. In 1889, of course, brings us Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court in which the protagonist finds himself in the time of King Arthur after a fight in which he is hit with a sledgehammer. That part I don't think I remembered. Magical sledgehammer. Magical. Maybe it's a science sledgehammer. Maybe it's Mjolnir. It might be. Oh, Mjolnir could do it. Yeah. Uh, this helped bring the concept of time travel to a wide audience and was also one of the first stories to show history being changed by a time traveler's action. And this is really where it started to take off, was uh, the, late, the late 1800s. Uh, following his short story in 1888 titled The Chronic Argonauts, H.G. Wells' story The Time Machine was published in 1895. This was the first known tale to feature a vehicle made for traveling through time. The, uh, the then, Chronic Argonauts? The Chronic Argonauts. If something was called The Chronic Argonauts today, it would be about something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there needs to be a band named The Chronic Argonauts. The Chronic Argonauts, yeah. We know why yeah. they saw like monsters and cyclops and things, because they were chronic. That yeah. probably yeah. explains the whole thing. Dude, Golden Fleece is so uh, awesome. <laughs> actually, Greg, do you want to do this public service announcement? Sure. I'll give you that, because I know you want to comment on some of it. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So this is a neat one. Um, we found a... Uh, article on crack.com, uh, which is a, a great public service announcement. If you yourself is think, are thinking of doing time travel, these are a few things to watch out for, um, because it might not be all that it is cracked up to be. So first of all, they mentioned that uh, you can't really eat anything. I mean, this is also true when I travel anywhere in our time. Uh, it, it, you have a hard time eating things if you're not from that particular location, um, especially if you're going pretty far. Uh, but the problem is, uh, purifying food and water is a pretty modern idea. And also, our bodies have adapted to um, withstand certain microbes and certain uh, nasty things in our water and our food. Um, that would not be true 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. So if you travel back in time, good luck with the food. Uh, I would stick to something. Um, would that also be the case traveling, say, 10,000 years in the future? Uh, because the, well. the, uh, um, the enzymes and, and, and all the bacteria and stuff would, would likely be mm -hmm. very different um, they in, in both the stomach yeah. linings of the, of the people of that time and in the uh, food that's prepared. Yeah, exactly. This, this reminds me of, of a real-world time travel experiment that we've done, um, an evolutionary biology experiment where we weren't actually able to travel back in time, but we were able to use organisms from earlier times and checking them against things of the future. And if you go to the future and you eat, this is where the, 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 the gross part's going to come. 
Oh, yeah. If you go to the future and you eat something and you come back here and, you know, you use the bathroom, you have now taken stuff that you've not digested that, that might be further along the evolutionary, evolutionary scale. Well, scales, ladder, not the best way to think about it. Well, I sure. mean, I'm not an evolutionary <laughs> biologist, but I, uh, but I know my shit. Um, <laughs> but right now you've, got, now you've got that future stuff that you didn't digest um, playing around in, for example, the, uh, uh, the sewage treatment plant in oh, yeah. uh, on Anasis Island, uh, mixing with other stuff, uh, it could, you know, it could it could mess stuff up. Super microbes. Yeah. yeah. Super microbes yeah. from the could, future. Or it could fix everything. Or I mean, it could fix it, everything. It could all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, but do Maybe you want to take that chance? Uh, yeah, in the future, we've we've gene uh, we've uh, genetically engineered all the microbes to be super nice to us, right? So we bring some back from the future and the world turns into a paradise 100 years in, in, ahead of time. Because but of then, poop. But then we wouldn't because of need poop. to genetically engineer them and then we've got the poop paradox. Yeah, we've got all sorts of paradoxes. The poopadox. Poop-a-dox. Okay, so the way this evolutionary experiment happens is there's this little crustacean. Um, it's a really tiny one called Daphnia. You find it in ponds, but you know, related to lobsters, crabs, things like that. This little tiny crustacean, when it lays its eggs, normally those eggs will become another Daphnia. But if conditions are bad towards the end of their growing season, um, there's not a lot of food, um, rough conditions, they will lay special eggs that are tougher and like little cysts that can last for years, dozens of years, even hundreds of years, these little cysts, these little eggs will wait for conditions to improve. So scientists were able to go down and look at different layers below a pond, and as you travel back each layer lower and lower, you're traveling back in time to cysts that were laid earlier and earlier. So if we take today's conditions and today's microbes and hatch a bunch of different eggs from different times, we can ask, how are they going to react to the predators and the prey and the food that are around today? So they're doing their own okay. little time travel experiment. And they found exactly what we're just talking about, is that ones from a different time are adapted to those conditions through mm-hmm. natural selection. And so things that are uh, happening today, microbes, predators, food, they're not going to be able to handle. Right. So if we do end up bringing back a baby mammoth, it might catch a cold and die. Well, if we brought it back directly, yes. But if we engineered our own, yeah. who knows? Oh, OK. Yeah, maybe. Uh... Yeah. But it could be. the you know, people from Europe and coming over to North America, they spread diseases, wipes them all out. Could be the other way around. Maybe this mammoth has something that uh, is going to hurt us. So we yeah, be that we that. needed our appendix for. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll go, oh, that's why. Thump. Okay, so back to the cracked article. There's a couple other um, things that we have to worry about when we time travel. Another one is no one would be able to understand you. How old do you guys think uh, yeah. normal spoken English is? The great vowel shift. Yeah. <laughs> the great vowel shift? No, vowel say? shift. Yeah, we've, we've moved on. <laughs> Wasn't it around the time of Chaucer that before then, like, wife would have been pronounced weef, you're my weef. And yeah, so mm-hmm. if you went that far back, then there would be a, a communication issue when for you sure. When these and those, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're and going back a couple hundred years. You're not going to understand anybody. And, yeah. and our accents would be just complete. We can swear on this, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, if they, they'd be that shit to people of the past. Uh, I know that there's some people who've done research and when um, you know Shakespeare's plays were written and originally performed, uh, there's one school of thought that says that the accent was uh, piratey. You know, mm-hmm. that when we do our, our, our long johns like that. Yeah. And another one says that it was almost like the Deep South, like a Tennessee Williams play, oh, yeah. um, which I, I'd actually really love to see Shakespeare done mm-hmm. with, with that kind of a, a, a draw. In amazing. the original Southern drawl. 
Well, is this a dagger I see before? Yeah, it'd be great. A group in I, England I apologize for my horror accent. As if it was the time that it was written, and they use that language. They've tried to recreate that language. And the cool thing is you can mostly follow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's different words, different pronunciations. Right. But, but if you were a time traveler, you would show up being barely able to follow it, and they would hear you going, where are you from? But burn the finally, witch, yeah, burn the burn, witch. But burn. finally, some of the, the rhymes would work. <laughs> Fair. Okay, I've got one um, for our guest, uh, Mr. Joe Haldeman here. So, what if somebody traveled to another time and they have no existence? They have no social security, they have no driver's license. What are you going to do in that case? You just show up? I'd arrest them immediately. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, so, if yeah. you were the time traveler, how, well, would you, how would you go about making a living trying to get by? You can't get a job. Well, it depends, no on the, it depends on the period you're in. I mean, possibly you could uh, get employment as a fool okay. and just act normally. <laughs> so tell, tell them yeah. about your, your own time. And yeah, you know, what the fuck is with, with this guy? I mean, <laughs> he keeps hmm. trying to plug this thing in. This explains George Bush to me a lot yeah. better now. Maybe <laughs> yeah. actually traveling George from a time George Bush is a time sense. traveler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew He's so funny, let's elect him president. <laughs> right, the other problem is if you go back with a, you know, a pocket full of money, it's not going to be good in another time yep. to travel to. So what would you travel with if you're actually going to try and have some way to purchase things? Gold would be th one thing for most cultures. Mm -hmm. That's uh, heavy. I think a revolver would work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> a life of crime as a time yes. traveler is probably the best way to go. I mean, I mean, if you could, if you knew a fixed point where you were going to travel, you could probably go and, you know, even online and purchase currency from that time period ah. is so expensive if you were going to be yeah. all very worn no, as well i would yeah. just i would just get a color laser printed yeah. because you, they would not yeah. know and if you yeah if you were going back and if you were going forward i would just find some things that are pretty valuable now that you probably think are going to be worth a lot in the future and then uh, just Whales. go you could bring a whale with you they might be extinct and hey yeah. you could maybe worth a lot of money yeah might yeah. save the whole planet yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's funny you say point in time, because this links, brings up our final problem, point in location. So if yeah. you travel in time, but you're still in the same location, guess what? The Earth has continued traveling around the sun. Yeah, you are it, no longer at the same place you and were And the sun has been traveling around the center of our galaxy, and the galaxy has been <laughs> screaming oh, through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Time travel works. Fantastic. We go back in time. You're in the middle of space, yeah. and you die. But like when, <laughs> with, the, with the time travel, you might be able what. I guess the in the the pop culture rules they don't really a they don't really think about about that a lot but also that perhaps time has something to do with the the, the gravitational pull mm -hmm. of the Earth mm. so gravitationally um, you're still in that fixed point it whips you to the right place yeah yeah sure magic <laughs> I, just, well, that's just like I the rest saying. of it we're we're just are we a pop culture yeah. we are okay so that's all the science that I've got that's enough of me just talking I'm going to open it up to everybody else now thank goodness. Of me, teach me not.
There are three types of time travel in pop culture. This tends to be true in uh, physics theories as well. Uh, there is the fixed timeline in which basically nothing can be changed. You may have the illusion that you have free time, but when you look at it with the whole uh, picture, all of this has happened uh, before and all of it will happen again. Uh, great examples of this are Terminator 1 and 12 Monkeys where they think that they are fighting against everything, but it actually all just ends up happening exactly as uh, it did happen. And in, uh, in fiction, this tends to be a big reveal, so I'm sorry if that spoiled it for you. Uh, um, but I think, I think I've, I mentioned this to you before about 12 Monkeys, is that that's a rule that's set up over and over. Like it's, yeah. They keep saying it over and over and over again in 12 Monkeys, so I don't think that's so much of a reveal as it is an established rule that you realize as you're getting towards the end, oh, right. shit, that's right, they kept saying this. Well, they kept saying it, and he kept denying it. So it was like, oh, you, you hope that yeah. hero's gonna, no, he can break the rules, right? Fight the no, future. No, no, you can't. No. Can't do it. Uh, there's also the dynamic timeline, which is changes to the past affect the future. Uh, technically, in reality, this would cause, I think, an instant like change of everything. You'd forget everything that happened because your memory is what actually happened. In movies, they tend to fudge with this quite a bit and use a cinematic dialogue to let you know it's happening where they'll let everything that's happened up to the thing that was supposed to happen that affected the future person, and then have the future, that person who's been time traveling, have their hands start fading away. Uh, Back to the Future has that uh, example mm -hmm. happening. Uh, and then Looper, uh, spoiler alert, also has that. There's a really super creepy scene. Oh it's fairly God. early on. If you haven't seen Looper, I'm gonna spoil a bit of it for you right now. I'm gonna try not to spoil the whole thing. It's a great movie, you should watch it. Uh, it's about time travelers, uh, people in the future, 30 years in the future, they've invented time travel, but it's outlawed and only criminal organizations are using it to send people back to be killed because you can't be killed in the future because everybody's tracked. I think I'd it's, send them into the middle of a volcano. Yeah, I, my guess is they can't do much about the, the space part. I'm yeah. guessing they've only got certain locations like yeah, that, that, that end up at certain places. That yeah, they like that do. one field. That one field, that one field. yeah. yeah. The road. But, but that, back to that scene that you were talking yeah. about. So in that scene, uh, one of the people who's been sent back to be killed ends up not getting killed, runs away. Uh, and the secret was the person who's supposed to kill him was the younger version of him. That's their deal. They get hired to, to kill these people, and the deal is eventually to keep it quiet in the future. You'll be sent back. You kill yourself. You get a big payoff, and then you're done your job. You get to just go retire with all your money, and then 30 years they'll track you down and get rid of you, and that's the deal. It's, it's mostly done by people who don't care about their own lives. Obviously, they're murderers. They don't care about other people's lives. So in this, this one guy gets away, so they grab the younger version of himself because the criminal organization knows that they can't do this, and they start cutting pieces of his body off. Oh boy, wait, they do something before that. Oh, they, they yes. They cut an address into his arm. They cut a command into his arm as a scar that says, be at and this address, and it just starts to appear on his arm in front of him as he looks. And he's, you, the actor portrays this great just terror on his face. Because he slowly starts to remember the Be trauma. Because as that happens, he remembers. And this is not kind of how it would happen in actual, I, I would think time travel would ever happen because it, as soon as he came through, he would come through with all these parts missing and you would rewind to that. Yeah. But the film shows it happening uh, as it's happening in his past timeline. And it's terrifying because he has nothing that he can do about it. He, all he's doing is remembering it from 30 years ago as more and more of his body is being lost as they're torturing his younger self and it's, yeah, for and failing to kill his older self. And, and, get to that address. Yeah, and there's no gore. 
You don't see no, anything because it's he's had 30 years to heal. Yeah, yeah so, so you just all you he's just got see. is he looks at like the stump of his healed lost fingers. All of a sudden, another one's gone, and you see his horrible face, and his nose has been cut off, yeah, and there's and just it's, a thing. It's there. far more terrifying than actually seeing yeah. the, no the gore, physical act no of, blood, of yeah. being dismembered. It is just Brutal, terrible all through performance and editing, and it's yeah. it's amazing. There is if you there is greatness throughout Looper. I, I gotta yeah. say, and that's and if, a dynamic timeline. Yeah, and if if, if if you need more of a reason to see Looper, if you've all seen Breaking Bad, um, the the director of Looper also directed uh, an episode of Breaking Bad called Ozymandias, which is probably the single most tense piece of television I've I've seen in 20 years. Yeah, it's one of the it's the third last episode of the entire season. Yeah, of Breaking Bad. if you've all seen it, you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. And that adorable little kid from Third Rock from the Sun went on to become a nasty, brutal hitman and <laughs> Cobra Commander. And Cobra Commander. <laughs> and maybe Batman. Uh, and then maybe Batman. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe. I, Looper is a great film, but I would like to interject that I think that they've got some of the ty- dynamic timeline wrong because he is surprised by the scar that starts appearing. Yeah. So, but he actually should have been aware of it right. ahead of time. The moment before they cut him, they had already kidnapped him, so he yeah. should have... That's, that's, the, that's the film conceit that they're doing, mm-hmm. right? Is that he doesn't remember until in the film it happens to him and they show it. So yeah, you're right. If you were to be more realistic, they would have had to rewind to him coming through mm-hmm. and he would have not have those bits on him. All right, I got to... I gotta fly. Okay, Eric has to go. Does that mean it's close to three? Okay. The third type is the multiverse, which is the changes to the past create alternate timelines that don't affect your own. There was a timeline that Eric Fell was able to join us for the entire podcast. And now I get the whole microphone to myself. Okay, so now I'm going to open it up. I'm just going to ask you all, uh, what would you say is your... Uh, Joe, your favorite time travel story, it doesn't have to be a film, a uh, novel, that maybe has like a really uh, disturbing edge to it, something that maybe saddens you about the time travel or something like that. Do you have anything like that that comes to mind? Well, the original uh, stories have their resonances, of course. Yeah. Uh, what is the one? Now, I have a horrible memory That's for fine. titles and, and so forth. Uh, there's a time travel story that was written in the around 1910 or 1920 or something. Ooh, man, I can't think of it. No. Time machine Describe was 1895. We have a room full of science fiction okay, fans. It's, uh, <laughs> it's by a fellow who didn't go on to write more science fiction, but is a well-known novelist. So what happens it's, in it? Uh, the sky's in a room, okay? That's hard. Uh, the paradox was a complex one. He, it wasn't well thought out. Uh-huh. Uh, mm, man. Is Shaw? No. No? No, but you're the right period. Close to the right period. Oh, what's the guy? Uh, who's the, another time travel story that people talk about in class. What, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Did the guy go backwards in time? The There's uh, a Canadian, a Canadian Yankee. No, no, no. Before that. Oh, okay. This is actually was a book uh, before movies. Yeah. Uh, well, I shouldn't be. Re- I should have done my homework, <laughs> uh, but then I had no job. time machine, so I didn't know it was going to be <laughs> on this uh, panel. Um, it will come to me. Okay. The day I wa- the moment I walk through that door. <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll come. We'll go back and we'll bring that you back in time Good. to do it Good. here. Yeah. Okay. The one that comes to my mind. It. Yeah. Sorry. 
E.M. Forster. It's slowly coming back. Okay, good. Ah. <laughs> the horrible time uh, travel movie that comes to my mind when I, it, it popped into my mind uh, when researching this is, has got to be Groundhog Day. Yeah. Mm. Because he lives the same day over and over and over again. And there can only be so much. I mean, obviously, for the, we've all seen it. Uh, he, uh, he's doomed to wake up the same morning all the time and remember yeah. all the other times that he's lived that day. It's a horror story um, played for comedy, pretty much. It really much. is. Uh, and in the, I'm gonna, I didn't know this, uh, in the time travel and film panel I was on earlier, it turns out that the original script for that actually showed uh, that character showing up who had already been through an almost uh, limitless amount of times through and just like, yeah, I'm a god, I know that everything that happens and uh, revealed it there. When uh, Harold Ramis and uh, friends bought the script, they rewrote it to show it from the beginning and how terrible it was for it to first happen until he reached that point. I think it was absolutely the right way to go. So some people online have calculated how many iterations of the day he has traveled through. Okay. And there's a wide variety of, of, of estimates, but you know, basically it amounts to thousands and thousands of times he's mm -hmm. gone through the same day. I mean, he, he's, he's older than anybody on the planet. And so it's going to mess with your mind a little bit, right? And, right. and the movie shows him some sort of dark <laughs> periods. He's going to kill himself. That's what's going to solve it. But every time he kills himself, he wakes up again to that <laughs> same Sonny and Cher song, which I think is probably the, the most horrific part of that uh, <laughs> entire process. The, the thousandth time through, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. I don't even know, would we call that... It's such a closed time, I don't know if we'd call that dynamic or multiverse. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of, who's that guy that got, um, in ancient Greece, who got tied to a rock and then birds picked out his Prometheus, liver every day? Prometheus, yeah. Prometheus, it kind of reminds me of Prometheus mm -hmm, in yeah. a way. So is that actually time travel? Sisyphus, yeah. Or is that, or is that, I don't know, a repetition of a, a single day in a single event? I don't know if I think it's I think time that's travel. Kronos fucking with Perseus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's certainly because of the way he jumped out of it, right? Finally become a de becoming a decent person, yeah. right? And, and finally not being a jerk to everybody all the time. It seems like it really was a punishment for him. Yeah, yeah. redemption. This is what you have to do. And it, thinking of it that way, Boy, that took him a lot of tries well, to not be an asshole. Something else the original script did was it was an ex-girlfriend that cursed him. And oh. so they actually explained it, but then they realized it's probably better if we don't have an explanation as to oh, why yeah. this is happening. Oh, yeah, because... It's just you, the universe. It's time messing with it. You have angry at. Yeah. Yeah. You can't... You rage against yeah. whatever makes that happen? Yeah, for so sure. I have a good example of a fixed timeline. Okay. I'm going to do big spoilers here for a Spanish movie called Time Crimes. Some people may have heard of this one. It's a, it's a little polished gem of a time travel movie, but it is mm. the exact uh, example of a fixed timeline. Everything that happens in the entire movie is set in place and nothing can be changed. But it's through the perspective of this main character. And he sees some bizarre things happening. He sees this, this woman getting undressed in the forest. He sees um, somebody else with a bandaged face coming and attacking him. He sees uh, eventually a woman falling off the uh, roof of his house to her death. And so he struggles throughout the entire movie to either try and explain or try and prevent these things. But in fact, it's his actions, having already seen them, that makes each of these things happen. So the, thing, the person that attacks him with the scarred face and the bandages is himself, trying to stop himself from traveling in time. So it has okay. some weird, cool, yeah. little strange loops. But, uh, you know, it, it stretches <laughs> reality, or stretches believability a bit, because okay. he's, he's doing these things. Why? Because he's seen them being done. But why doesn't he try something different? Maybe because Stephen Hawking's right. He can't try something different. It's already all fixed in time. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. It's a neat little movie, though. 
another favorite of mine would have to be uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy plays pretty fast and loose with time travel, but very specifically, the restaurant at the end of the universe. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the restaurant at the end of the universe is Millie Ways. It's a giant restaurant, and by the end, they don't mean physically, they mean uh, uh, temporally. Temporally. That you get to have one of the best meals of your life while watching a floor show while above you, the entire universe dies. <laughs> You're uh, in a time bubble or something. And yeah. they explain that you can go multiple times and never meet yourself because they keep the restaurant out of phase with itself so that you will never uh, accidentally bump into yourself if you go a second time there. They don't exactly b worry about any paradoxes no, or anything. No. <laughs> they, Again, uh, so we talked a lot about the science early on. What I, you find from that is basically if you want to write an accurate time travel story, you pretty much can't. Uh, Make so, up your own rules and stay yeah, consistent to uh, them. I said this yeah. in the previous panel. Yeah. Time travel in fiction is just magic, and the key to it is to actually just create your rules for it and then stick to them which is now going to lead me into complaining about something I love. Wait, hang on. Before you go there, I just want to do a follow-up on uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because, oh, okay. because uh, oh, Douglas Adams play. really loves playing around with time. He okay. has a nice light touch and makes it fun. Yeah. But another series he did this was in Dirk, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Yeah. And uh, kind of a neat fact about that, there's a time-traveling room. The entire room ends up being the time machine. Um, but the reason we've got somebody who travels through time, um, they have a place, a building, or a room they can move around in, this kind of sounds sort of familiar. Probably most of you know that um, Douglas Adams also wrote for Doctor Who. So this was a Doctor Who script that he had written. It started being filmed, it was never finished. It was a, a story called Shada, and uh, it was um, uh, Tom Baker's Doctor Who. And uh, he had the whole story written, but they didn't get to do it. So he said, you know what? I'm going to put it in one of my books. And so it ended up in uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And it's got some, some neat little time, timey-wimey stuff in there. Yeah, Doctor Who is what I was going to complain about. I love Doctor Who. There we go. But they set up their time travel rules and then go, yeah, and this one we're not going to worry about it. And I, that's really a shame. I, I kind of wish that they allowed themselves to be a little stricter. But, uh, you know, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. It's kind of like political debates. We're going to do this. <laughs> Make up our own rules. Uh, Army of Darkness uh, is a non-sciency uh, time travel story in which uh, Ash falls back through time because of the Necronomicon. I think it's involved <laughs> somehow. Uh, to uh, medieval times is really. It was originally going to be called Medieval Dead, which I thought was a great title. Medieval <laughs> a Dead. A really yeah. great title. Uh, and back there, uh, everybody seems to speak modern English, so again, you get to break all your rules when you do your time travel. And they're all super impressed by his shotgun, and he fights off armies of deadites uh, in the past and then eventually returns to the future. Well, he needs to get back to his own time, yeah. and so now we're talking time travel forward in time yeah. because he's back in the past, and so there's actually alternate endings in that movie. Yeah. There's one version where he gets back to his time, no problem, becomes, you know, works at S-Mart, becomes the hero, saves the day. But another version of the ending of this movie, um, he's told to take a, a potion that will make him fall asleep and wake up in his own time. But of course, being Ash, he gets everything wrong and takes too much of the potion, wakes up, and he enters this post-apocalyptic wasteland, and the movie ends with him going, no! <laughs> yeah, that ending's up on YouTube. You can check that out. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I've seen that one. Uh, oh, I mentioned Terminator 1 was a fixed timeline, which is great. As its own self-contained story, Terminator 1 is perfect because it's all there, it's contained, it's done. And then Terminator 2 shows up, and goes, meh, 
and breaks all those rules, decides that you can, you can actually change the rules. And that tears me apart because I hate that they did that, but Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you take your good with your bad. Uh, Barbara, have you got a favorite time travel horrible story or just time well, travel? Well, it's story? actually the first Terminator. I think it, it's, it, it's amazing. I love that, you know, John Connor's father came from the future and mm -hmm. arguably the reason why Skynet exists is because the first Terminator, you know, like there was still his hand in the press. Like, I just yeah. think it's, it's this beautiful, yeah, perfect loop, like you're saying, and then T2 is freaking amazing as well. You have just <laughs> remind me of a perfect loop that I'm totally going to spoil for everybody. Uh, that, uh, several of you probably might not know. There was a video game several years ago called Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Uh, and it was a pretty fun little uh, wall crawly puzzle. You know, uh, Lara Croft, jump around the, the levels, fight people, things like that. And it was centered around you had this dagger that could be filled with this magic sand. And you could use the magic sand to reverse time. So in gameplay, it was really cool. Like you could do the thing where you have to jump across the wall, jump across, climb a ladder, duck under this and go there. And if you missed that jump, you'd hit your button and go and then try it again. So you had several chances to make these jumps. And the gameplay was really creative. There was this wonderful story about you uh, trying to fight all these demons that got released when the dagger got powered up and things like that. And you meet this beautiful princess and go through all of it. And every time you load the game, it starts off with your character saying, let me tell you a story. And he starts telling this little story, and he narrates the game as it goes along. You're not entirely sure what the setup is. When you finally reach the end of the game, it's you having gone back in time to meet that princess before she ever meets you, and you tell her the full story of the game to warn her so that it will never happen. Mm. He's the game his is past. brilliant on so many levels, and that I hit that point in, in a game that was fun to play, and just was I, I fell in love. Yeah. And they said, "Hey, let's make a crappy big budget CG movie yeah. out of it." Oh. <laughs> oh. Now, now I have a question for you guys about the definition of time travel. Do you okay. think being in stasis, or you know, like your microbes being frozen in different levels, and then waking up later? Is that actually time travel? Well, okay, so it depends on what kind of stasis you're talking about. If we're talking about cryonic freezing, uh, on our uh, freezing episode, we, we had our expert, uh, Dr. Katie, let us know, you can't be cryogenically preserved. But what about Ripley? She got uh, frozen in, for so oh, long. Oh, sure, in, in <laughs> fantasy stories and science fiction, you absolutely can. But uh, there's way too many ice crystals forming in your brain cells that are just going to tear your uh, cells apart. You can't technically freeze yourself that way. In science fiction, they do have what's called you know, stasis, by which they mean that they've stopped time. Yeah. Uh, that would actually technically be the opposite of time travel, stopping you from traveling in time. But I from don't... your perspective, you'd be traveling in time because yeah, you would miss so. the time in between. Like Ash, yeah. you know, if he slept and then woke up. Then yeah, yeah. Like, so I think the, the recent movie Interstellar did a really good job of showing this kind of time dilation. Okay. Because time is related to um, movement and mass. They're the same thing. The, 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 the time continuum is no different than the space continuum. This is what Einstein tells us, time-space. And so um, if you can approach the speed of light, you are traveling at a different relative time than everything else in the universe. So if you go to a planet that has a higher gravity or is near a giant black hole and come back, it's this twin thing we were talking yeah. about before, um, you have aged at a different rate yeah. than everybody else, a slower rate. That's the stuff, that's the time travel we can actually do. Yeah. Well, I was, th I was thinking if stasis counts as time travel, we've got all these time traveling babies nowadays because of fertility treatments, because we freeze the zygote. <laughs> so, 
I don't know the infancy of time travel. <laughs> <laughs> the um, embryonic stage of time travel. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. That's right. Uh, I was, I was uh, in, oh, okay, thank you. I was inseminated in 1985, but I was born in 1992. Is that how that works? Yeah, so you skipped the 80s bad hair. Well, my, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Came out with grunge. Uh, any others that we want to bring up? Yeah, I got a favorite time okay. travel movie, um, Time Bandits by Terry oh, yes. Gilliam. That's a great one. Nice and dark uh, as well. It's yeah. very dark, very caustic. Uh, this young boy... Um, only wants to have adventures, he wants to go back and meet the storybook heroes of the past, but he finds out they're actually not exactly as wonderful as they were in the storybook. Mm -hmm. So especially one of my favorites is John Cleese as Robin Hood. So he does travel back, there is a real Robin Hood, but he's not exactly the nice guy that you <laughs> imagine him to be. He travels to the Titanic, he goes back and meets mysteriously Sean Connery as an ancient Greek. You know, he can play uh, pretty much anything from a, uh, a Spanish-Egyptian uh, immortal to a, uh, an ancient Greek. I don't know um, if he played a Spanish-Egyptian immortal. I don't know if I would call that playing it. <laughs> That's time travel and immortality. Well, not really, but definitely lots of different times involved. Wait, are you saying that way back then a, sp a Spanish-Egyptian accent would sound Scottish? Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to our ears. Okay. To our ears, that's exactly what it would sound like. Um, but Time Bandits, uh, the whole idea is that there are wormholes, there are these little holes in time, mm -hmm. but they're just God's mistake, right? God was building things, he kind of cut corners a little bit, you know, left a few areas unfinished, and uh, so these, these, these little guys in the movie, the Time Bandits, they steal his map, they can figure out where all these little wormholes go, but you have to be in the right place at the right time to travel back. But this poor kid gets dragged along, sees his parents destroyed, sees ultimate evil, um, it's got some pretty dark elements to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got concentrated evil right at the very end. <laughs> That's right. Don't so, touch it. Yeah. It's evil. Like, spoiler, his parents touch it and both die. <laughs> yeah, pretty dark. But a great movie. Love Terry Gilliam. And there's time traveling. He doesn't say, can we go back and save them? He's just I'll live with you now. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just, just hang out with Sean Connery, the time traveling ancient Greek fireman. Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody seen Butterfly Effect? Because I haven't. I saw it a long time ago. Yeah, that's one of the dynamic timeline ideas. That's the whole, uh, the, the butterfly effect is if you travel back in time and step on a butterfly, it's this little tiny event. You don't know what the consequences of this are going to okay. be. So back to a, a classic sci-fi story. Yeah. So that's a dynamic yeah. timeline. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Do they keep, re do, do, do they rewind in that movie or do we not? I think he keeps going back and trying to fix things and just makes it worse and worse and worse and worse and okay. worse. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of a morality play. Uh... How about Samurai Jack? Has anybody seen this? It's a fantastic little animated series uh, by, I'm hoping I'm going to get his name right, Getty. Sorry? Tartakovsky. Thank you. Uh, it's about a samurai from, you know, feudal Japan who gets cast into the far flung future and has to fight against this evil, powerful wizard uh, in this weird futuristic cyberpunk uh, mm -hmm. era. And he's super honorable. The animation is beautiful. And he's constantly going up against all sorts of monsters and uh, trials and tribulations. I actually haven't watched it in a while. But it's super good. And it's, uh, it's really cool to show kind of a fish out of water in the future. And the thing is that he's still a total badass. Yeah, but the bad guy is the one using uh, the time travel for the most of the time. Like, he's ready about to kill him. He's ready about to save the world. Boop, time portal. Time portal. <laughs> Everything's reset. Again, time travel is magic in fiction. You do whatever you want. That's how he does things. 
Yes. Has anybody seen the movie Primer? Always comes up when we're talking about time Half travel. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a hard science movie. Mm -hmm. um, they take their rules very seriously, and they try and treat um, using modern day physics. What if we could do time travel? So this is the idea that you could only travel back to the time that you turn on the time machine. Right. So you have to turn it on, and then at some point in the future, you can travel back to that point in time, right. but you can't go past it. But there's two guys who um, are starting a company, and they want to wrestle con for control over this time travel, because whoever has control over time has control over money, over the future, mm -hmm. over everything. So they're kind of out to get each other, and they just loop back and forth and back and forth, and it gets really convoluted. But that's sort of on purpose to try and show you that from their perspective, time is just fracturing. Yeah, there's a, uh, <clears throat> so I was watching uh, Primer last night, but I ended up having to take my dog to the vet. So I'm sorry I didn't finish it, I've only seen half. He's fine, actually, we got the blood work back and uh, he's all good, he was just having some problems, yeah. Um, but I do have uh, a, an image that shows somebody has mapped out all the various timelines of Primer and it looks like spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, that's right. but apparently the creators of the film planned it all and know exactly where every scene is and where they all come from. All okay, I got a question for the panel, because okay. in, in Primer, in any kind of past time travel, if you go back to your own timeline, you could run into yourself. So it's almost like cloning, right? This idea of if you could create an exact clone of yourself with the same memories and everything. Well, you can do that with time travel. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen if you go back in time and you meet a younger version of yourself? What do you think is going to happen? Well, think, Joe, please. Go ahead, Joe. I think by, by the nature, of the situation as you stated, it's indeterminate. That is to say, by going back to point A, where you started the process, you've looped out of the uh, causation uh, universe that, mm -hmm. uh, that you lived in. That is to say, when you go trotting back to the beginning, to point A, mm -hmm. anything can happen. And uh, on your way back, whatever that means, you can change the, uh, the circumstances around point A to almost anything and maybe it changes it by random maybe your own intent has something to do with it but there's no way to tell until you've tried it Would and you once you've tried it you don't know what caused what or whether you've even gone back to point a because you may just remember something that never happened you need you need notes you need a lot of notes yeah, yeah. you need a lot of notes so would you go back and tell yourself to, to to not write a story or you should write an idea would you change any of your your past past writings well you, I guess you, you are not a writer because we always do this. <laughs> it's, called, it's called editing, right? <laughs> Where you are now, if you could yeah. give yourself advice to, to the younger, young writer get, just starting off, what kind of advice would you travel back in time and give yourself? Oh, I wonder. See. Uh, get off of this sci-fi garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Learn how to write nurse novels. That's where the real money is. <laughs> awesome. Fifty Shades of Space. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara, what are you going to do? You're going to travel back in time. Well, here's the thing. If I traveled back and like talked to, I don't know, like my 19-year-old self, would I believe anything I'm telling myself? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, you I just, can carve things into your body, and then that might convince you. That might, yeah. It, <laughs> Look it, at the scar. Yeah, hold your 19-year-old self down. No, watch. This will show up on my arm yeah. soon. I, <laughs> this will, this will, will hurt, but you need it. You need it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll hurt me more than it'll hurt you. Yeah. Or the same amount or something. Exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> I think you might try, do things like 
buy property in Calgary. It's a good investment. Or, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, it, it was so cheap back then. Um, I, I think, you know, you might want to give yourself uh, advice to so things could go better or you could make money or, like, vote, you know, like, gamble on this team, like, back to the yeah. future kind of stuff. But... I don't know if it would actually change things. I would always be worried about all the other things that were good that you might just knock out of the way. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. Like those great people that you met only through very tiny little instances and you're like, okay, I'd be rich, but how do I make sure that I meet them again? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's worth it. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I, do, I don't know if, if the younger self would listen. I don't know if it would result in a better path. I guess I, that's the question we're doing. This is kind of a lesser of two evils. <laughs> right? Sorg, there's, there's a macro rule here. That, uh, that means that no matter what you expect to happen, something else is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so can you work with that as your only operating principle? Yeah. And try to set up a situation where no matter what happens, as long as it's not what you expect, you're going to profit. Yeah. I'm not sure how. Maybe if you expect you're going to die immediately, at least that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to go back and tell my younger self, relax. It gets better. Right? That yeah. whole it gets yeah. better idea that I think is a wonderful campaign that's out there telling younger people, don't stress so much. It gets better. Life is not always like high school or life is whatever you're going through right now, um, there will be times in your life in which it's not as worrisome or important. Yeah. Things will work out. Just be yourself, relax. I think I got that message, and I'd probably tell something. (laughs) I got that message way too well throughout my life. Ah, you'll you'll be fine. Okay, cool. I would go back and be like, no, work a little harder. (laughs) No, it doesn't have to be much, just a little. I think that's a good place to, to call it. Uh, I would like to thank everybody for coming out to this live mm-hmm. Caustic Soda. I'm sorry that half of us were down in Portland. Uh, we got an amazing opportunity. This episode and our, our HP Lovecraft Film Festival episode that is, being fi- that is being recorded tonight will be up on Caustic Soda Podcast within about a month. So if you'd like to hear yourself laughing in the audience in the background, you can go check that out. Uh, I'm going to have some show notes. I'm going to have a lot of links, uh, some images that go with this. I didn't have anything I could show them on at this. I'm totally sorry. We normally do. CausticSodaPodcast.com. We have about 288 episodes that are up right now. I think I did the count on. They're about an hour or each longer. They're all completely free and available up on our website. Uh, You can use the RSS feed to download them. We're supported on Patreon. I'm going to plug us right now. If you like what we do and want to help us keep making more, we don't have ads. We don't make any money. We, we did sell shirts, but they're kind of a pain in the butt to keep stocked all the time. Uh, so right now, we're just on what's called Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash causticsoda. And if you like what, you do, you, what we do, you can uh, donate as much or as little as you'd like for every episode we release. And every time we release an episode, we tell them, and Patreon charges you, and we get a little bit of money that we can put into making some more shows. Uh, Barbara, thank you so much. Where, Barbara, we can find you at the Critical Hit Show. Yes. When's your next one coming uh, up? The last Wednesday of every month, so that's October 28th. The Critical Hit Show is a Dungeons & Dragons improvised comedy that takes place at the Rio Theatre here in Vancouver. I'm a huge fan. I come to like almost every single episode, every single show. It's great. Uh, Joe Haldeman, thanks for coming so much. I'm, sure. I'm sorry we confused you a little bit here with our weirdness and uh, odd setup. Uh, I'm so glad you were here. Uh, do you have anything you need to, to publish or to push, any websites or anything like that you'd like to let people know about? Uh, my publicist has just said something. Work Done for Hire. That's actually a book made of paper. Okay. But you can find it in the usual venues. Okay, Work Done for Hire, Joe Haldeman. We will, I'll put a link up to uh, Amazon.com. Uh, 
for that on those show notes as well, for sure. Mr. Dr. Gray Bull. Yep, I got nothing to push, but uh, thank you so much for all of our supporters from Caustic Soda Online, and thank you so much for VCon audience for being here. Thanks, guys. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being torn apart by rabid squirrels. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening.